Chapter Twenty Six of The Protector by Harold Bindloss. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Roger Moline. The Protector by Harold Bindloss. Chapter Twenty Six, On the Trail. It was a long, wet sail up the coast with the wind ahead, and Carroll was content when, on reaching Comox. Vane announced his intention of stopping there until the mail came in. Immediately after its arrival, Carroll went ashore and came back empty-handed. "'Nothing,' he said. "'Personally, I'm pleased. Nairn could have advised us here if there had been any striking developments since we left the last place.' "'I wasn't expecting to hear from him,' Vane replied. Carroll read keen disappointment in his face, and was not surprised, although the absence of any message meant that it was safe for them to go on with their project, which should have afforded his companion satisfaction. They got off shortly afterwards and stood out to the northwards. Most of that day and the next two they drifted with the tides through narrowing waters, though now and then for a few hours they were wafted on by light and fickle winds. At length they crept into the inlet where they had landed on the previous voyage, and on the morning after their arrival set out on the march. There was on this occasion reason to expect more rigorous weather, and the load each carried was an almost crushing one. Where the trees were thinner, the ground was frozen hard and even in the densest bush the undergrowth was white and stiff with frost, while when they could see aloft through some chance opening a forbidding gray sky hung over them. On approaching the rift in the hillside which he had glanced at when they first passed that way, Vane stopped a moment. "'I looked into that place before, but it didn't seem worth while to follow it up,' he said. If you'll wait, I'll go a little farther along it. Though the air was nipping, Carroll, who was breathless, was content to remain where he was, and he spent some time sitting upon a log before a faint shout reached him. Then he rose, and making his way up the hollow, found his comrade standing upon a jutting ledge. "'I thought you were never coming,' the latter remarked. "'Climb up. I've something to show you.' Carroll joined him with difficulty, and Vane stretched out his hand. "'Look yonder,' he said. Carroll looked and started. They stood in a rocky gateway with a river brawling down the chasm beneath them. But a valley opened up in front. Filled with somber forest, it ran back almost straight between stupendous walls of hills. "'It answers Hartley's description,' he said. "'After all, I don't think it's extraordinary we should have taken so much trouble to push on past the right place.' "'How's that?' Vane demanded. Carroll sat down and filled his pipe. "'It's the natural result of possessing a temperament like yours. Somehow you've got it firmly fixed into your mind that everything worth doing must be hard.' I've generally found it so. I think, 
said Carroll, grinning. You've generally made it so. There's a marked difference between the two. If any means of doing a thing looks easy, you at once conclude it can't be the right way, which is a mode of reasoning that has never convinced me. In my opinion, it's more sensible to try the easiest method first. As a rule, that leads to your having to fall back upon the other one, and a frontal attack on a difficulty's often quicker than considering how you can work round its flank. In this case, I'll own we have wasted a lot of time and taken a good deal of trouble that might have been avoided. But are you going to sit here and smoke? Until I've finished my pipe, Carroll answered. I expect we'll find tobacco, among other things, getting pretty scarce before this expedition ends. He carried out his intention, and they afterwards pushed on up the valley during the rest of the day. It grew more level as they proceeded, and in spite of the frost, which bound the feeding snows, there was a steady flow of water down the river, which was free from rocky barriers. Vane, who now and then glanced at the ladder attentively, stopped when dusk was drawing near, and fixed his gaze on the long ranks of trees that stretched away in front of him. Fretted spires of somber greenery lifted high above a colonnade of mighty trunks. "'Does anything in connection with this bush strike you?' he asked. "'It's stiffness, if that's what you mean.' Carroll suggested, smiling. "'These big conifers look as if they'd been carved. They're impressive, in a way, but they're too artificial.' "'That's not what I mean,' Vane informed him impatiently. "'To tell the truth,' said Carroll, "'I didn't suppose it was. Anyway, these trees aren't spruce. They're red cedar.' the stuff they make the roofing shingles of. Precisely. Just now shingles are in good demand in the province, and with the wooden town springing up on the prairie, western millers can hardly send roofing materials across the Rockies fast enough. Besides this, I haven't struck a creek more adapted for running logs down, and the last sharp drop to tidewater would give power for a mill. I'm only puzzled that none of the timber lease prospectors has recorded the place. That's easy to understand, said Carroll. Like you, they'd no doubt first search the most difficult spots to get at. They went on in another minute and pitched their light tent beside the creek when darkness fell. By the by, I thought you were disappointed when you got no mail at Comox, Carroll remarked at length, feeling that he was making something of a venture. "'I was,' said Vane. This was not encouraging, but Carroll persisted. "'That's strange, because your hearing nothing from Nairn left you free to go ahead, which one would suppose was what you wanted.' Vane, as it happened, was in a confidential mood, Though usually averse from sharing his troubles, he felt he needed sympathy. "'I'd better confess I wrote Miss Chisholm a few lines from Nanaimo.' "'Ah!' 
said Carol softly. And she didn't answer you. Now I couldn't well help noticing that you were rather in her bad graces that night at Nairn's. No doubt you're acquainted with the reason? I'm not, Vane replied. That's just the trouble. Carol reflected. He had an idea that Miss Horsfield was somehow connected with the matter, but this was a suspicion he could not mention. Well, he said, as I pointed out, you're addicted to taking the hardest way. When we came up here before, you marched past this valley, chiefly because it was close at hand. But I don't want to dwell on that. Has it occurred to you that you did something of the same kind when you were at the Dean? The way that was then offered you was easy. This is not the kind of subject one cares to talk about, but you ought to know I couldn't allow them to force Miss Chisholm upon me against her will. It was unthinkable. Besides, looking at it in the most cold-blooded manner, it would have been foolishness, for which we'd both have to pay afterwards. "'I'm not so sure of that,' said Carroll thoughtfully. "'There were the Sabine women, among other instances. Didn't they cut off their hair to make bowstrings for their abductors?' His companion made no answer, and Carroll, deciding that he had ventured as far as was prudent, talked of something else until they crept into the little tent, and soon afterwards they fell asleep. They started with the first of the daylight next morning, but the timber grew denser and more choked with underbrush as they proceeded, and for several days they wearily struggled through it and the clogging masses of tangled, withered fern. Besides this, they were forced to clamber over fallen trunks, when the ragged ends of the snapped-off branches caught their loads. Their shoulders ached, their boots were ripped, their feet were badly galled, but they held on stubbornly, plunging deeper into the mountains all the while. Soon after setting out one morning, they climbed a clearer hillside to look about them. High up ahead, the crest of the white range gleamed dazzlingly against leaden cloud in a burst of sunshine. Below, dark forest, still wrapped in gloom, filled all the valley, and in between, on the middle slopes, a belt of timber touched by the light shone with a curious silvery luster. Though it was some distance off, probably a day's journey, allowing for the difficulty of the march, Vane gazed at it earnestly. The trees were bare, there was no doubt of that, for the dwindling ranks, diminished by the distance, stood out against the snow-streaked rock like rows of rather thick needles set upright. Their straightness and the way they glistened suggested the resemblance. "'Ominous, isn't it?' Carroll said at length. If this is the valley Hartley came down, and everything points to that, we should be getting near the spruce. Vane's eyes grew set. Yes, he agreed. There has been a big fire up yonder, but whether it has swept the lower ground or not is more than I can tell. 
We'll find out early tomorrow. End of chapter 26 Recording by Roger Moline